Hello and welcome to the Oz Investing Podcast, the podcast for the everyday investor. Just a quick note before we begin today's podcast is that nothing in this podcast should be considered as personal financial advice. If you're ever in doubt about your financial situation, please reach out to a qualified financial advisor. With all that said and done, let's get into today's episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Oz Investing Podcast. My name is Sam and with me as always is my buddy Jude. How are you Jude? Doing good, Sam. How are you? Very good, mate. I think the case numbers in Melbourne are starting to look really good now. Very low case numbers. So I think it gives us all a reason to be optimistic for the new future. So I was just wondering, mate, what are you thinking of doing once these restrictions get lifted? They they haven't been lifted yet, Sam. So fingers and feet <laughs> crossed uh, because I think the last time we were looking forward to it and then there was this lockdown again. So yeah, um, just waiting for you know this thing to really end. Uh, but you know, prior to the earlier lockdown, before uh, all of that, we were a couple of family and friends. We were planning a trip to you know Buckland, which is around 309 kilometers in the northeast, um, northeast here and. Mm. Uh, uh, all the bookings were done and, you know, we had to cancel in because obviously of, of the lockdown, we would want to continue that trip and, you know, uh, explore that area. Um, mm-hmm. So like an, over a two, three day trip, which, yeah. you know, one day was to go there and try to um, walk around the, you know, the, the Mount Buffalo Wildlife Park in, uh, for day one. And day two was predominantly focused on, you know, um, the vineries and vineyards, right? So go oh, there nice. for a couple of wi- wine tasting sessions and just uh, have a good time, like, you know, two to three days, explore and go out there in the wild, right? Awesome. Awesome. What oh, about you, Sam? What's what's your plan? I think for me, um, yeah, I, I would just be grateful to actually go out, have a meal, catch up with friends, um in person i think with what they were saying on the news was they're going to have a lot more outdoor dining so Mm -hmm. that'll be quite interesting so they're thinking of having tables and chairs out onto the streets actually blocking off um trams and cars and so forth so that'll actually be interesting it'll be um it'll be cool to have that and I think barbecues, outdoor picnics and all of that will, will actually be quite common as we approach summer. So definitely looking forward to that. For like a out-of-city trip, that, that'll be quite nice as well. I don't have any place in mind just at the moment, mm-hmm. um, but like kind of through group chats and whatnot, people were kind of reminiscing about um, a past trip. So there was a few pictures of um, a past trip that we did at lake entrance so i don't Mm -hmm. know if you've been over there but it's quite nice um over in lake entrance um i'm also just holding out for the border to be open between victoria and new south wales so i've still got a lot of family and friends over in sydney so i think i would like to actually go back and, and catch up with some of those people as well um when when that becomes available i actually did book a flight in <laughs> july to, to go back but then obviously the whole situation changed and i had to get a refund for the flight but i think the next time it opens up i'll just drive up i'll just um do the nine ten hour drive and, and actually just get there um i don't have to worry about flight cancellations or, or anything like that I'll, I'll just drive myself up um and then also if tasmania decides to 
open itself up, I, I would like to actually go down there and um, explore Cradle Mountain. Mm-hmm. So last year I actually purchased a um, large backpack to do day hiking. I actually did a trip over at Wilson's Prom with some friends. Um, oh, nice. So multi-day hike, um, you know, having the water and the food and everything yeah. in, in the backpack. And, and um, that was really fun. That, that was actually very enjoyable. And I would like to try and do that in Tasmania at some point because, yeah, Cradle Mountain and a few other places are very famous. So definitely would like to get out there at some point. Yeah, that's that's packed itinerary, it looks like. You know, I think all, all your mm-hmm. lockdown... Uh, goals what you wanted to achieve in the year you've you've actually put it together and quite a few things to look forward to right in terms of yeah. uh, travel yeah i think yeah you, yeah i think wilson, you mentioned wilson prom i think even that was really good even we had done our trek there um mm, it is quite cool. a nice place uh, yep i think even i'm looking forward to i think once that uh, new zealand and uh, australia bubble is established yeah from yep. from yep. victoria as well but um i had booked uh you know some tickets during the Easter times. So we were supposed to fly into New Zealand to spend uh, Easter with the family, and uh, also it happened to be uh, my, uh, you know, my cousin had given birth to a baby girl, and we had to participate in the Christmas, uh, the yep. christening uh, party, and yep. um, that again, you know, was put on hold. So we were looking forward to going in and spending some time with the family, and we've got those tickets in. If everything clears up by Christmas, it's a good opportunity. But uh, that's that's another thing which is on my agenda as well, you know, because we had got so many things planned. Yep. And, you know, everything else was just put on hold because of the lockdown. But uh, I think, yeah, um, I think more, most importantly, we look at it in, in the positive. Um, yeah. We've got a lot to look forward to in the coming year. So it's all yeah. good. Yep, absolutely. Great. All right, so I think we might get started on today's topic. So we're going to be looking at some of the basics for the share market. So Jude, can you tell us a little bit about what shares are? So Sam, yeah, you know, just to start off with, like shares are part ownership of a business. Okay, so when we talk about shares, we're saying that shares get issued by companies to either raise money for future development or the existing owners want to sell part or all of the company by selling shares to the other, right? Mm. So in effect, when you buy shares, you become a part owner and share the company's fortune in a way, right? So whenever you are in into mm-hmm. stock market, it's always good to look at it that you're buying businesses, right? You're, you're investing in a company rather than, you know, trying to look at it from a per share perspective, because that's the mindset which is really going to grow on you, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, now, however, thing to note here is, in case of a liquidation, uh, ordinary shareholders have no rights over the assets and could lose their money. So it's extremely, extremely important and recommended to do a thorough due diligence exercise before investing your hard money into shares. Okay. So, uh, so Sam, like we spoke about what shares are by their basic definition. Uh, can you walk us through the process as to how these shares are created? Sure, Jude. So the first time shares are offered to the public is through an IPO process. So this is what's known as the initial public offering. So buying shares in an IPO is buying in the primary market. 
So the company or the business, they submit details to ASIC, which is the Australian Securities and Investment Commission, through mm-hmm. a prospectus. So this is a document that outlines background information, financial details, and risks. So once lodged, the offer is then available to potential investors to buy the shares in float after reviewing the prospectus. So in order to buy the shares through the IPA process, the investor completes a form attached with the prospectus, nominates the amount of shares to be purchased, and then sends through a check or transfers the amount to a trust. Oh, all right. But Sam, uh, I've got a question on this one. So uh, how many of the above shares get issued, right? We, you spoke about issuing of shares. So how many of them get issued? So it all depends on what the company considers its assets are worth. So let's go through an example. Say that a company considers its assets to be worth $10 million. It may issue out 10 million shares at $1 each, 2 million shares at $5 each, or 1 million shares at $10 each. Mm -hmm. The value of the company is the same in all three cases. So once these get issued, trading on the stock exchange commences after all the necessary approvals on the ASX have been obtained. So when trading on the ASX, this is referred to as the secondary market. And buying and selling then takes place through the services of a stockbroker. So can you explain that a little bit further, Jude? Right, right, Sam. So uh, in terms of when we are talking about a stock stockbroker, right, and to be clear, it's is someone who buys and sells securities on the stock exchange on behalf of clients like you and me, right? Now, we have got a couple of players here in Australia. Um, you know, the big four banks uh, have their stock brokerage services. We've got yeah, something which I use, uh, Comtech for you know, by Commonwealth Bank. Uh, there's, I think there's NAB trade for NAB. There are some other providers as well, like CMC Markets, uh, IG, Self, Self Wealth. Um, these providers have different pricing structures relating to, you know, brokerage and fees. Now, just to give you a quick example as to what I'm talking to you about, is say something like uh, a Comsec, right? When when I spoke to you about, uh, there are there are slots, so there are. Um, allocation so if in case you are doing if you carry out a trade which is up to and including thousand dollars you'll be charged a brokerage fee of around 10 bucks yeah uh, mm-hmm. it increases a bit more say between thousand and ten thousand it's around 1995 or 20 bucks and then beyond which which is about ten thousand ten thousand and over it's around 30 bucks right so that's that's an example of say what comsec uh, sorry what combank charges uh, charges you right uh, again, there are different elements to it. Um, the, like, say, NAB has got a different pricing structure. Uh, they've got around fourteen ninety-five for up to five thousand. You know, so each stock broker has got a different offering, and mm-hmm. um, you you've got to look at who you're comfortable with uh, in terms of uh, you know uh, banking with. Sometimes it makes it easier to be associated and take that same offering as say uh, the stockbroking account. And uh, it's easier. It's it, you just have the peace of mind, right? When it comes to using that particular account, um, if you've got fewer dollars to invest, um, because there are there is a catch, right? Because when you have to go through these stockbrokers, there's a minimum investment amount of around five hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Okay, and uh, sometimes not everyone has that minimum five hundred dollars, so it becomes um, there are other avenues too. Like say, for instance. Um, 
there are certain micro investing options out there like comsec uh, combank again has got something called as the comsec pocket with as little as 50 dollars you can invest into the stock market just because till you get a you know feel about what's really there uh, mm-hmm. in and you know you get a hang of, of the stock market before really going you know uh, gung ho into uh, individual stocks and all that stuff so when you go through these micro investing applications uh, like comsec goes uh, the comsec pocket goes through etf uh, options correct they've got a few options mm-hmm. um there's also raise and spaceship which are again good micro investing options out there now uh, a good thing to note right now is this space itself is um, in terms of competition heating up right because uh, there's recently a trading platform which was launched which is called a superhero and mm-hmm. um, you know they've reduced uh, the brokerage fees and you know the minimum trade value to really execute a trade um hmm. and you know i can go on about it in a way that there are so many options out there um that this particular space warrants a separate podcast episode altogether so uh you know this was just to give the the listeners a, an idea as to there are so many options from a brokerage perspective mm-hmm. and uh, you know before even trying to buy uh, any shares out there it's better to do some levels of due diligence to understand which broker is suitable as per your needs correct so hmm. let's yeah. let's get back to the the initial topic right when if these stock brokers are buying and selling securities on your behalf um how is the question on ownership handles am yeah sure just want to touch on um a previous point um most people that buy and sell shares they're buying and selling on the secondary market so not too many people um actually buy through an ipo but of course that that is an option available um so coming back to your question Jude about ownership so you place an order through your broker there's a transfer of titles for shares and cash which is called settlement So this usually occurs within about 3 days. And as a share owner, your name gets in, um gets entered, sorry, into the share register and the seller's name gets removed. So all of this happens electronically. The transfer of ownership is managed by the company share register. So an example of this would be computer share or link market services. Mm-hmm. If you're ever in doubt about who your company share register is you can always um google that information and that's pretty much how it works so we've talked a little bit Jude about um the Australian Security Exchange or the AXX um but what other stock markets are out there Jude yeah so Sam just just like how we have the ASX here there are stock exchanges all over the world right uh, and you know a lot of a lot of people would have heard about the nyse in the us uh, um you know there's the national stock exchange in india along with the bombay stock exchange so uh, there are quite a few of these famous stock exchanges all over the world yeah so it's not something which is unique to just australia but uh, it's prevalent all across the globe yeah but but mm. you know along with uh, just these names which you know everyone might have heard at some point of time there are certain terminologies which get associated with uh, the stock market right for example uh, and i'll think i'll just touch upon a few so that uh, the, the listeners have an idea a bit right in terms of um, 
I think they must have heard about something called as capital gains and capital losses, right? So when we're talking about capital gains in effect uh, and gains in general, right? When you're talking about the stock market, is say for example you buy a share at say one dollar, right? And uh, if, if effectively over the period of time, and we are long-term investors, say for example the share price, a uh, share the the value has increased from and you bought just one share right you it's increased from one dollar to five dollars correct mm-hmm. now that has seen a gain in terms of what you've invested in correct of around four dollars yep so that's a gain in your investment and that's that's in effect what is really called as the capital gain so just imagine if you had more of those shares then you multiply that gain amount with those number of shares and that's your overall capital gains now, mm-hmm. the same way how gains are, there are also chances that the investment you've done is heading towards a loss, right? And the loss could be like, uh, as I said, if it was $5 a share, let's take a reverse scenario and it's gone down to $1, then you've got a loss in terms of your your investment, correct? But mm-hmm. what we need to really understand as, as, as we're going to be, uh, you know, when we talk about these losses and gains, it's predominantly to do with as long as you don't sell or you know uh, sell them, uh, it's still not realizable, right? They're still paper losses or paper gains. As soon mm. as you execute yep. a transaction, then it's when it becomes realizable, correct? So yep. that's an example of uh, say terminology which gets associated quite a lot, which is the gains and losses. Uh, another interesting uh, terminology which gets associated, and I think it's, I think quite famous in terms of what always gets associated with uh, the share market are dividends, right? And uh, when when you're talking about dividends, dividends, dividends are payments and which are nothing but the profits which are shared from a company to its shareholders, correct? Mm. Um, these are paid out on a per share basis and investors usually are interested in something which, and especially the dividend investors are in, interested in a term called as dividend yield, which is if you calculate it, it's just about the annual dividends per share divided by the price per share, correct? Um, so, you know, it could so happen that, uh, say, it's $1 uh, is the dividend paid out by the company in the year and the price of the the share is 20 bucks. So if you just do the 1 by 20, it's around a 5% dividend yield, right? So hmm. uh, a lot of dividend investors try to, you know, find these dividend yielding stocks to invest in. And uh, one thing to note, though, right, is that these dividends are not guaranteed. There is no requirement for the company to actually pay a dividend. Uh, it could so happen that the company has paid the dividend for uh, this financial year, but uh, they may they may well not pay it for the next year, right? And um, one of the reasons why it could be is because um, you know they may use the, some of those funds to invest back into the company in order to focus on the growth in the company, correct? Mm, I see. Um, so that's, that's you know, some of the terminologies and common terminologies which get associated with uh, the stocks in the share market. And uh, when it comes to dividends, obviously there are certain amount of, uh, you know, tax implications of these inflows as well. So um, Sam, could if you could just give, you know, a quick run through in terms of what are these implications? Yeah, sure. Um, so just before I begin, I'll just make a quick disclaimer that I'm not an accountant and um, <laughs> what I'm going to be talking through are just um, very simple examples. Uh, so for all the listeners out there, 
if you're ever in doubt, please speak with a qualified accountant about your own unique circumstances. So I'll start off with capital gains, and I think um, you've done a really good job um, covering it. Um, so I'll talk more a little bit now about tax. Um, so if you hold your shares for longer than 12 months, you're eligible for a 50% discount on capital gains tax. Uh, so that's CGT for short. So I'll walk through an example and I'm going to use yourself, Jude, as um, as the example person. Um, mm -hmm. So let's say, for example, you earn 90K per year. You're a big income earner. Um, that puts you in a tax bracket of 32.5% in Australia. So let's say you sell some shares and mm -hmm. you made a $1,000 profit, um, you'll have to pay tax on, on your gains. Okay. Now, if you held your shares for less than 12 months, you'll have to pay the same percentage for CGT associated with your income tax. So that's the 32.5%. So you need to pay 32.5% of that $1,000. So you'll be paying $325 as capital gains tax um, because you sold your shares. Now, if you held your shares for longer than 12 months, you only have to pay half of that. So you only pay $162.50. So half of that original amount that, that I spoke about. So it could be beneficial if you hold your shares for more than 12 months. Obviously, um, everyone's situation is going to be different if for some reason you think you'll be better off selling them before 12 months, then um, do that. You, you know your own situation better, but I'm just highlighting one particular example. And just to touch a little bit on capital losses, so let's say now Jude um, sells his shares and he made a $1,000 loss instead, um, you can't actually use this loss to reduce your taxable income. So what actually happens is the capital loss is carried forward mm -hmm. and it can be used to offset current or future capital gains. So Jude, if you then made a $1,000 gain sometime in the future, Mm -hmm. your capital loss that, that you experience can be used to offset this $1,000 gain. Oh, fantastic. And, and, be, and be netted out then. So oh. so that's um, so that's capital gains and losses. So now Got just it. so, a little so, bit. Mm. So, so Sam, I think just, I think you've highlighted a very important point and I think, I think the way it is all structured is to try to uh, enable, you know, investors to, stay invested in the market for a long time right the way the way you yeah. explained about the tax implications because of it the, the yeah, right. chances of you removing money before 12 months could hamper your gains because of the taxation uh, system right so correct it, it makes more sense that you keep in in i think the money for a longer period of time of greater than 12 months yep 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 absolutely so I'll try and explain franking credits a little bit. And this was something that I definitely 
took a bit of time to understand when I was new to investing. So mm-hmm. Australia is one of the few countries that have a franking credit system um, and it makes dividend investing an attractive option. So to really put it in layman's terms, what franking credits do is they basically help offset the amount of tax you need to pay on dividend income. Mm-hmm. So in Australia, companies pay a flat 30% tax on all their profits. However, they're not obligated to pay tax on any profits it distributes to shareholders as a dividend. Therefore, when investors receive their dividend payments, it can be one of three things. It can be fully franked, partially franked, or unfranked. Okay. Okay. So so this um, franking amount is displayed as a percentage So Mm -hmm. a partially franked 75% dividend means the company has already paid tax on 75% of the dividend at the 30% tax rate, but not on the remaining 25%. Oh, got it. So having understood that, um, you now need to consider the individual shareholders and what marginal tax rate they're paying. Um, so then this um, contributes further um, to to the calculation. So depending on your tax bracket, you could either have a tax refund because of the franking credits, um, you could have zero tax to, pay, tax to pay, or you will have to pay um, more tax if you're on a higher tax bracket. So I'll try and work through a very simple example. Let's Mm -hmm. say you received $700 as a dividend and this dividend is fully franked. So 100% fully franked dividends and you receive $300 of franking credits. Now, if your marginal tax rate is 30%, so the same as what the company paid in tax, then what the franking credit does is it completely offsets the tax you need to pay it. So you pay then zero tax on that $700 dividend that you received. Oh, got um, it. Now this is a you know simplified example, but I just want to talk about this just to show the power of franking credits. Um, so they're they're definitely a really big advantage, um, and because of the unique system that we're in in Australia, well, not unique. There's a few other countries that do it, but relatively unique. Um, it is a real advantage. So. When I was new to investing, I tried to go through many websites to explain this as, as simply um, as possible. The best one I actually found was Market Index. So mm-hmm. for the listeners, um, get a pen and paper ready. So um, the best one I found was marketindex.com.au slash franking dash credits. So what I'll try and do is I'll I'll actually try and put this as um, a show note on our website so that people can actually check out this link and and actually read through this example. But I found this example extremely helpful and it made my understanding of franken credits a lot easier. Yeah, that's that's good. Thanks, Sam. I think that was really, really informative, right? So uh, let's do one thing, Sam. Uh, We'll try and summarize the learnings from today's podcast, right? We, We spoke about and learn some basics related to shares. Uh, we, we understood the whole mechanism of how these shares are issued and how the ownership really works. 
uh, we spoke about some of the brokers out there in the market. Uh, uh, some com- common terminologies that get associated with sh- shares like the capital gains, dividends. And we also understood a bit in terms of the tax-related informations pertinent to shares. Yeah? Yeah, that's right. Thanks for summarizing that, Jude. So that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for listening in. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please check out our website, oz-investing.com, spelled oz-investing, and consider joining our email list. We'll be sending out an easy-to-use checklist on what to look out for when investing in the stock market. And please check us out on Facebook and Instagram. There are links to our social pages on our website. And if you'd like to contact us, please do so. Please send us an email, ozinvesting2020 at gmail.com or through the contact section of our website. So with all that said and done, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day and we'll catch you in the next episode. See you later.